Hello and welcome back to another episode, if you want to do what, with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Wayne on, who is a TV carpenter, but he's had a bit of a career change. Hi Wayne. Hello there Daniel. How are we today? I'm good, yes, very good. Enjoying the sun. which is It's quite... lovely, isn't it? It makes such a difference. Oh yes, it definitely does. So should we jump straight in then? Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you do, Wayne? Oh, what I do, what I do now, um, I'm, I'm a carpenter. So I'm a, a TV carpenter. So I specialize in makeover shows. So if any of you love interior design and have watched shows like Interior Design Masters or the Great Interior Design Challenge, I'm the builder on there. I usually wear orange so everyone can always find me. <laughs> uh, and I also do garden makeover shows. So I've worked on shows like Love Your Garden with Alan Titchmarsh and Garden Rescue with Charlie Dimmock. And I'm the DIY expert on um, a show with Alan um, called Love Your Weekend and Spring Into Summer, which is a, a ITV show. So ultimately, anything DIY related, anything carpentry makeover show, um, you see a guy with an orange T-shirt, that's normally me. <laughs> so you're super busy then? Yeah, do you know what? Absolutely. At the moment, we're kind of in the you know, um, um, third stage of lockdown. But the first, obviously, we all, when we did the first lockdown, we, mm. you know, the three months took the break and everything stopped, you know. And, and in makeover world, everything happens in the summer because that's longer daylight hours and obviously gardening shows, it's all outside and all the plants are available. So everything literally stopped. But then soon as it eased a little bit and trades could go back to work and timber yards opened it seemed that every show wanted to be made that had been put on hold and so it went crazy and then everyone's been in their house um, waiting to do up their house so it seems that mm. everybody wants everything building in their house so if i'm being honest my diary's never, <laughs> never been so busy <laughs> well i grew up watching uh ground force and changing rooms and all the, i love shows like that i think it's um sort of everybody's bit of a guilty pleasure isn't it yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and interestingly, working with someone like Alan Titchmarsh, who you know started Ground Force and working with Charlie Dimmock, they you know they've got a passion for it. They love it, and it is infectious. And people like the reveal. And and I've done so many. I've done the so many different shows, like Sixty Minute Makeover, and you know, and like I say, Interior Design Master and in Great Interior Design Challenge. But ultimately, they're all the same. You just want a nice, pretty reveal shot at the end. <laughs> Not too many people have cried along the way. That's that's the aim so let's let's rewind a little bit because being a tv carpenter isn't actually what you started out doing is it Wayne no no so I I'm I originally trained as an actor and um, I went to drama college when I was um, 18 moved from Leeds to London and did the thing that I'd always ever wanted to do and, and I think what's interesting listening to uh, this podcast of yours I've listened to a few episodes and you and you hear you know when people are choosing their careers and what to do and and I and I see it with my daughter as well like you, you just you you follow what you're what what you're good at what what you know makes you tick and mm. for me performing I was quite a shy kid but I ended up enjoying I could sing a bit and then people like what you do and you 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 know you started doing more and more of it and I ended up working I'm um, going to drama college sorry and I was there for three years and my first I was one of the lucky ones in that I worked solidly I had, had a really successful um, it's really weird. I can say that about myself retrospectively. I think if I was still an actor, I don't think I could say this now. But looking back, I had a great career. So I worked in musical theatre. My first 
West End job was Rent, the original um, London production of Rent, which was wow. of its time was like Hamilton of its time. It was like everybody wanted to be in that show. And um, I, I even in my final, my audition for Rent, I was still at Drama College and they flew me to New York by myself to just meet the casting people and the producers and directors. Wow, how cool is that? Oh, and, and you know, and, and I got it and then left Drama College. Well, I, I left, I started rehearsals in the final term of my third year at drama college opened the show and then kind of continued doing my classes in the day but then I'd get swan into the west end and do the show at night <laughs> so I you know I, I in terms of of performing it was the best ever gig and I I think I worked then in I, I did about four original west end productions so my last big musical was a show called Bombay Dreams which was an Andrew Lowe Webber production and it was oh, wow yeah, that's on where Wicked's on now. So it was a big theatre, 2,000-seater, and I played the lead in that. So I kind of, in musical theatre terms, I'd done brilliantly. You know, I'd got some mm. great shows. And then, as most musical theatre actors do back then anyway, you were like, well, I want to do TV, change my agent, and then got um, a detective series called D.L. and Pasco, which is an old, it was an old um, BBC One drama. And I, and I got a regular role in that and I did that for two and a half years. So I'd kind of made the switch from musical. I make it sound really easy, but I think it was just <laughs> pure luck. And um, swapped and then did TV for years. So in terms of, you know, swapping careers and saying things like that, it, it, I, I, had a success, I had a successful theatre and acting career, which I loved and never, ever imagined I'd do anything different. But it's just, yeah, it's just amazing how life switches and, and things just evolve. And what and... what was the the catalyst for? Because obviously, you know, you were in West End and you're in, you know, doing TV shows as Casualty, Holby City. You've done, I mean, you've done all these great TV shows, great West End shows. What point did you decide? Do you know what? I'm I'm going to completely change direction. Well, I think it it just slowly happened. So about. I'm what I'm 40 coming up to 43 44 and um my wife had just she was, we were pregnant with our daughter and we were renovating our house and so this was about 12 years ago when the first credit crunch or the first credit crunch in my lifetime happened the big one a financial crash and um we'd literally ripped our house apart we had no roof on it we had nothing and the and we you know borrowed money and we were promised money from the bank and then with the credit crunch the bank said look we can lend you money but not as much about 30k less than what we agreed um, because your house won't be worth what we thought it was worth when we originally did the mortgage application and I remember just looking around going well you know, I can't afford to put the doors on. I can't afford to put the kitchen in. I need to do this myself to get my wife and baby back in the house because we were living in a friend, a friend's bed, spare bedroom. So I, and, my, and, and a bit of a caveat to my dad's a builder. So right. I literally then went, dad, okay, how do I do skirting boards? How do I put a door on? How can I fit a kitchen? And, and I, you know, you, like we all do, you look on YouTube and I learn and I'm looking, in, I'm sitting in my lounge now and there's bits that I did 12 years ago. So I started doing carpentry in the house, never thinking it was going to be a career. It was literally a needs must to get my wife and new baby into mm. this house and renovated it. And then with, you know, my wife, um, we've got a new baby and you kind of need money and my wife would pimp me on Facebook she'd put like little pictures of the stuff I've made in the house going look my husband you know if anybody wants any bits doing so I was I started doing DIY for people and 
you know, wallpapering and painting and just general stuff. Mm. And it, it kind of took off as in, you know, I'm quite a meetable guy, get on with people and, and pe- you know, people would offer me little bits of jobs here and there. And then randomly, and again, just luck, I was working for this guy doing some floating shelves in his alcove. And <laughs> he, um, he happened to be a TV producer who was creating this brand new interior design show called The Great Interior Design Challenge. And it was the first season. He was like, look, we need builders who don't mind being on TV. Um, would you mind doing it? And I actually nearly turned it down, just, you know, mainly out of fear, I think. I didn't want to look stupid. Um, but my wife was like, oh, just go for it. You know, do you think you mm. can do the job they want you to do? Like, well, yeah, I think my carpentry is good enough. So we'll, we'll do it then. But interestingly, I never told them I was an actor. I never told anybody. I didn't want the people, you know, the, the show and the, those people to think that I was um, an actor pretending to be a carpenter. I kind mm. of to, felt I had to prove myself. And so I started doing this makeover show and I did um, eight episodes. Um, but I remember doing the last, and so I was still acting at the same time. I was kind of, you know, overlapping and, you know, to, you know, doing bits and bobs and the nature of being an actor as well. I, you, you, you know, you were just waiting for jobs to come in. Mm. Um, and I remember the final episode of that first season of the Great Interior Design Challenge. I'd we'd done the final, and as anyone, when anyone finishes a job, they go, oh, you know, what are you going on to next? And I was like, oh, I'm about, to, I'm going to go to Emmerdale next week. I'm, you know, I'm working on Emmerdale. And like, oh, are you building the set? I went, no, <laughs> I've got a guest lead on Emmerdale. And at that point, I think the production crew and the act, um, the camera crew and the contestants and all the other trades looked at me first with a bit of like, what the? And then when, <laughs> actually, now we understand why you knew how not to stack a shot and how to not get in the shadow of the, you know, the contestant and angle yourself so that you were seen and not, you know, the back of your head. And, mm. and then it became, luckily I'd proved myself as a carpenter and they were like, okay, now this is just fun. So I, so I kind of did both for a long time about four years, five years, I was, I was still, I was slowly making tractions within this TV makeover world. And once you're in there, it's like anything They, you know, once you get to know the exec producers and they like your work, they trust you, they get you in all the time. I, I, I was getting more and more carpentry work, but I was still doing the acting. And interestingly, just my, the, the, the things that were enjoying the most slowly become the carpentry, slowly became the, the TV makeover world. And about, I, was, I actually was speaking to my old agent literally yesterday and we were laughing about it. About three years ago, I got a, a, an email from my agent and he used to just email going, hi, and do you want to do this? This has come in. And normally I'd say no, because the money was shocking or it was away or, you know, there's always some excuse. It was never, you know, I'd, I'd always got a, a, a makeover show to do and I kind of deflected it a bit. And, mm. and I dreaded my agent calling because I thought, oh, if they call and something comes in, then, uh, you know, how am I going to get out of it? <laughs> and I could feel myself getting more and more not wanting to do the acting mm. in case it pulled me away from the makeover shows. And then it was a Friday evening and I was sitting with my wife and this email popped up from my agent going, I've got, there's a film come through with Colin Firth. It's two, two or three weeks filming in Budapest and they need to meet you on Monday. The kind of senior show where you've kind of got it, but the director just needs to meet you. And because it's a guest lead, you've got a couple of scenes. 
um, can you pop down to the studio on Monday and, you know, just to sign it off? Mm. My first reaction was, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> With Colin Firth, a movie <laughs> deal, and you, and you didn't want to do it. Yeah, and, I, and my wife was like, oh, can't you just do it just to meet Colin Firth? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I suddenly at that moment realised I shouldn't put my hat in the ring to act anymore. Mm. And and I, and, it, and and it was really weird because, like I said from the beginning, it was the one thing I loved. Singing and performing is the is, was always the thing that that floated my boat, and and I was good at it. And you know, and people paid me to do it. But as soon as I'd made that decision, and I think like what you were saying, there was no big catalyst. It wasn't a big right, you know, or you know, I'm not getting auditions anymore, and mm. like, no one will employ me. It was just I slowly did both to side by side, and. There was a moment when I was doing one of the interior design shows where it's like it's like the traveling circus when you do those shows. You arrive in a house and there's loads of you there and there's loads of contestants, loads of camera crew, and I've got my little gazebo with all my cutting stuff. And, and I remember feeling, and you know, when you feel so content in your job and you're like going, I know that I'm respected to what I'm doing. People like what I do here. Um, I've got a great team around me, you know, I can't do it without them, they can't do it without me, the bit that I'm loving is the the banter with the lads, the hotel room, we all go back to the hotel, have a beer in the bar <laughs> before, you know, and I, and I thought, well, actually, it, this is the bit that I, I love, and uh, so yeah, so, and then soon as I emailed my agent to say, look, let's, should we just knock this acting malarkey on the head because I think <laughs> I, I was holding out with the acting for another great D.L. and Pasco, another great right. drama or a regular in something and I thought even if they offered me a regular even if they offered me James Bond and it's never going to happen if they offered me this <laughs> role I don't think I'd take it and that was really enough because it pulled me away from everything I've just created in this makeover world as a mm. carpenter and I knew then instantly that I shouldn't do it. So as soon as I emailed him, I, I messaged him. I said, can we call on Monday? And I rang him and he went, you don't want to do this anymore, do you? And I was like, <laughs> he knew. no. And he went, I could see this. Yes, I've, I've watched you grow within that world. And, and do you know what? Pop in, let's have a glass of champagne and toast your new career and no hard feelings. So, Oh, lovely, lovely way to end it. Yeah. So that's how it, it swapped from from doing you know being a singer performer and and instantly soon as I did that the the joy changed in a totally different way and and I, I, I love what I do now it's, it's what, what a brilliant sort of story from the the credit crunch and almost forcing you into having to you know learn these skills and improve your skills in carpentry and then it turning into this amazing career what a great story to come out of the credit crunch a great story yeah and it's weird because I, I, I remember being an actor thinking you know people who gave up going oh well I've given up they, they're not very good or and, and it's really weird because I kind of go well if you you know and I said ahead of time I've sent you both my CVs of my mm. acting and this and I and, it, and I remember looking at that CV uh, the, what I sent you was a picture that I put on my social media to say I'm not acting anymore and I remember looking at it thinking if someone had told showed me this CV when I was 21 my acting CV when I was 21 that that'd be my career I'd be well happy you know yeah. I but I think you, you never feel totally satisfied as an actor because you're always looking at the next thing but it wasn't until I stopped and looked at on a printed page of going I know I'm not going to do any of these dramas anymore and I'm not going to sing for the queen I'm not going to do all of these things but actually I, I'm happy doing 
this now and and it gives me i think it gives me more in a different way in a very mm. different way so how did you begin to you mentioned your dad's a builder but how did you begin to learn and improve your skill set of carpentry because you're you're very much in the public eye with your skills and you have to be at a certain level where you can demonstrate things on tv so how did you begin to improve and learn those skills um to start off it was very much youtube it's very much all of those things and 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 it's interesting because i teach diy you know and i do a lot of diy classes and and i don't you know i'm not there's a difference between a carpenter and a joiner i'm not a joiner who makes dovetail cabinetry you know what i mean and yeah and there's different degrees of this skill um and and i, I nor have any desire to learn how to do a dovetail joint because no one wants to pay pay me for that they <laughs> want me to put mdf together and paint it not nice um so and interestingly I always thought everyone could do it because because my dad did it, you know, and, and I'd kind of been grown up doing it. You kind of presume that everyone's at that level. Um, but what's so I've learned from YouTube, from my dad, being surrounded by other trades that work on the industry. So I used to remember working with dad and his chippies and his builders. I'd learned from him. But then when I started doing the interior design show, you know, it is about being quick and, you know, throwing up wardrobes and, and fitted you know and alcove storage but you, because you have that drink with the lads in the in the bar because you're staying in a hotel you can watch them and learn from them mm. um but i think the trick the thing that's made my carpentry successful is because i work with a lot of interior designers and i think coming from i don't know if it's the theatrical background but coming from a, an artistic background where you it's not always just about practical skills it's about how you like the thoughts behind how you execute it and just think a little bit um out of the box with it um i think that's what stood me in ground and if there's anything i didn't know um i would research it i'd look into it i watch youtube videos and then practice and you know i'm working my i've got a little garden studio uh, workshop where i'll make stuff um so yeah i haven't i haven't done any official formal training um I, I have learned on the job but i think if anyone's listening to this wanting to go into carpentry or or you know makeover shows or any of these kind of things there's so many options in in that you can do the official route you know you can learn at college and i recommend if you want to become a trade on a building site and you want to you know make uh you know do new builds and you know build houses from scratch you need those qualifications you need to have you learn how to do, you know, hang doors correctly and, and do all of those things. And you need the certificates to pass all of those. But equally, I know of a lot of people who contact me directly on social media or there's lots of carpentry Facebook groups where you can go on there and say, look, I'm willing to learn and want to, you know, does anyone want to do any work experience with me? You know, you know, and, and I, when this credit crunch first, um, not credit crunch, so when our um, corona hit we could go back to work i know a lot of my acting friends weren't working and i literally put on some of my social media my wife's an actress as well on her social media saying if there's anybody out there who's good at diy but wants to learn how to do what i do let me know come and come and follow me and i'll give you some free training you know like literally if i could if i can teach somebody how to make a floating shelf which is pretty simple um you don't need many tools but you can earn 75 80 quid a shelf and people want four shelves in an alcove so you can earn a couple of hundred quid just from putting just doing floating shelves in people's houses mm. um so i had a few people following me coming you know with me on jobs 
all you know covid secure we were all you know masked up and they were in jobs where there was a lot of space and and i taught them and and now i've got friends who go off and do what i do and and have swapped from acting again and, and earning a living so Wow. So that's how I learned anyway, which is, is probably not the traditional route. Definitely. Well, you say that, but there is so much available online now. You, the traditional route of, like you say, going to college, if you're going to go and work on building sites, it is probably a must. But if you want to learn a skill, there's no reason why you can't go online and find a course or even just YouTube it, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I think, and the, and the, and I sell courses and I teach people online as well. And I've, I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I, I don't put as much on there as, as I should, but I, I think it is available out there. And, and uh, you know, if you, if you, you can lose, your, <laughs> I always say sometimes you, you can lose your life in YouTube and you end up spending so much, so many hours on there. But if you find somebody who, who you can trust and, and you, you like their work and, and can explain it well enough, then just practice. practice. I think, the uh the first lockdown i think i genuinely watched a whole series on youtube about how to build an extension on a house i've got no <laughs> intentions of building an extension but i just you, you just get lost down a, a rabbit hole don't you oh absolutely and it, and again with any diy stuff it is just confidence like I yeah teach, i teach at the idle home show on their main stage and we'll you know we'll get somebody at the audience to do a drill workshop with people and people you know i get petrified even holding a drill but within five minutes of them holding it they then and you showing them some basics you can see this little spark inside them and they mm. go, oh i can do this you know and there's a few tips and tricks and then then they go away with so much confidence you know and i and i think it, for me it's like i don't perform anymore so i don't get that applause right and i never get that you know that a moment but what i do now get it in a carpentry way so i'll make something and then the homeowner comes home and i get to do my da you look what i've made for you yeah and you know and and then you get that response from them and you and you realize like for example my wife we I, she wanted a, a king size bed making so i made this king size bed with drawers on the side and then there's this channel down the middle of the bed it's like an eight foot long empty space and luckily we've got this long thin room so i had this like um six foot long sorry um shoe drawer that pulled out from the base of the bed that went the full width of the length of the bed mm. and it puts all her shoes in it my wife's a dancer she's got enough shoes to last a lifetime but um, <laughs> that that one post on our social media got more likes than the birth of our child wow. and, you, and you kind of go you know if you can make something that makes people have that much reaction to it that for me is the best round of applause I've ever had, you know? So. There's definitely something in actually making something, isn't there? And I think a lot of people now never get that satisfaction of, of, of a project of, because work is very much just a, a workflow and processes you repeat and repeat and pre for a lot of people, but making something is very much a beginning, a planning and an ending and, and that satisfaction that comes with that. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I noticed that, like I said, that moment when I was doing the show and I just, I sat back and just thought, like, I'm, I'm in the most content zone because I turn up for two days. I don't have to price a job. I don't have to get materials. There's a runner going to get my MDF where I need it. They set the gazebo. <laughs> I, get, I get brought in. I, you know, I bit of performing monkeys and I'd make whatever they want me to make in the two days. And if, if I can't make it in the two days, then it's not my problem. It's the designer's fault. this isn't achievable in these two days but i'll try my damned hardest to make it for you you know and as well i think it's about 
when you're working in those in that industry or or and I think this just generally for life I'm, I'm very much a be part of the solution not the problem so mm. there's times when I'll go okay rather than go that cliche of what a builder scratch the head oh it's not going to happen I'll go look <laughs> That's not going to happen. But instead of making it out of circles, which take three times as long, if we can make it look 50 pence P-shaped where it's all straight lines, but I can make give you the arch, but not as a having to hand cut every circle, we can get it done. So I've created, you know, you're, you're always being part of the solution and being quite a positive outlook on it. That I think that goes a long way, you know, with, 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 any, with any job, with going for anything. And I think if you are thinking of, going into this industry or you you know wanting to maybe shadow somebody or if you ring me up and go Wayne I live locally to you can I come and shadow you the first thing I'll go is like you know are you up for it you know are you going to be fun are you you know I want somebody who who's got a bit of an ounce about them but Mm. is is keen to learn rather you know I have had people who I call them millennials without being disparaging to millennials who just I can't be bothered and I've got a 12 year old daughter and and I'm very much, for me, it's grit. And I think we, it's so easy to give our kids everything and, and fix everything for them so that they never have to struggle. And, and you know wants to see your family or your kids struggle. And, and very much with my wife, I'm like, let her, let her not win at this. Let her have to work for it. Let her, you know, I, I, want, I don't want her to give up at the first sight of something. And, and, if, and if she gives up, then she doesn't get the prize. And I think that's same in the workplace that, you know, you, you see so many people who just, just kind of expect to walk into an amazing job and earn a fortune straight off the bat. And actually, the bit that made me become a carpenter, the grit was literally, uh, you know, my wife wasn't working. She's a West End leading lady in her own right. And she, you know, she was pregnant and then she had a baby. So she was off work for two years. The credit crunch had hit. I wasn't particularly working. We'd renovated the house. I needed to earn some money. So the grit was, well, I need to watch these videos. I need to learn how to do this. Mm. And, you know, luckily we had support of our family. So, you know, anything dire, we could always ring our parents, but I'm quite, uh, uh, I kind of wanted to do it all on my own as well. Um, but we, I remember that night when we got into this house, I'd, you know, we, I'd renovated it. My, my, my wife and daughter moved, like when the baby had been born and my wife lived with her mum for four weeks up in Wakefield and we live in London. Mm. And I remember thinking I had four weeks in this house house by myself finishing it getting it finished painted getting it getting it all done and the night that they moved in I don't mind telling you I sobbed like we were mm. laid in bed like literally the three of us in bed together and she was like and I was crying she was, why are you crying I went I did it we got <laughs> it. But, but it is that such group. an achievement isn't it yeah you know I couldn't watch any grand design programs for like a year <laughs> anyone else going through the trauma of not having enough money and maxing your credit card out yeah. at the time and putting a kitchen but I think that Again, I think whatever age you are, again, I don't want to be disparaging to the younger generation, but you can be whatever age. But if you've got if you've got a bit of something about you where you just get involved and you're and you show that you're keen to learn, people want to teach you. People, mm. you know, if you ask, I've realised as well in anything that I want to learn, if I if I ask it, you know, and yeah. people will happily spill their guts about it like you've asked me we've never met up until this until you introduce yourself and we chatted about doing this mm. you know people are willing to share their knowledge for free if so if you think somebody wants to listen um, yeah. i think that's one of the biggest lessons that i would teach anybody who's thinking of changing career 
I think you make uh, such a good point as well. I, I do some consulting for some some businesses, um, and one of them is in the construction industry, and um, they've got some apprentices. And since I've been doing the consulting there, they've had three or four apprentices, and there's just one that sort of is still there and it's just down to attitude this guy turns up early he's always asking questions you know he wants to get on he wants to do his courses at college and that's just what you've got it's such a competitive marketplace for jobs for our generation that's what you've got to be like you've got to be relentlessly enthusiastic and and you're right ask the questions oh absolutely and and it, I listened to something recently. I'm a huge podcast listener, so this sparked joy when you asked me to do this. <laughs> I listen to loads, but there's there's an element of they they I can't remember who it was, but they talked about um, passion. So when people talk about, uh, and I think it's a wrong thing when people go, well, you know, if you follow your passion, you you know, you'll always be happy and doing job. And like I said, I've I never once imagined that cutting wood was something that I would be passionate about it. I saw my dad do it. I saw all my uncles have done it. I, I want to be a singer. And, you know, and, and, and I realised that I didn't have a passion for singing it, 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 when I first started. It was just something that I could do. And people, I remember being a kid and my mum going, oh, you've got a nice voice. So then you kind of go, oh, that's nice. And then you do a little bit more, you do a bit of Amdram and you work your way up. And then, okay, you've got a college and you get in so people listen to you and you know and you get a little bit, a bit of an applause and, and, and you go step step and then it became a passion so it wasn't a passion to start with it was something that I liked and I got a bit of reaction for and I found my little place my little tribe of friends and you know the same drama club and all of those things and it became my passion and I loved it and like I said I never imagined when I was doing it that I would ever do anything else and then what happened is the carpentry through necessity of doing carpentry, I never dreamed that I would give up singing, you know, uh, playing principals in the West End to cut wood, but started doing a bit more of it, realised I was enjoying it, got good at it. People again would stop and go, your work's quite good. Or can I work with Wayne? Because I, I like working with him and I like what he's creating. And then that became my passion. And now I do my passion. So I think when people would say, you know, if you, if you do the job you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. And it's true, but I don't think you necessarily know what it is yet. So if anybody's out there listening to this and going, you know, oh, well, I haven't got a passion. I, you know, I don't perform or I don't love carpentry and I don't, but actually if you're good at something, mm. something that naturally just kind of comes to you, you don't have to work that hard at it but it's there you've got a natural aptitude to it. it might not spark joy if you start doing more of it then it'll become a passion i remember hearing that from somebody going oh my god that's so true and like i said i've had two really successful careers in in all tens of purposes i'm you know i'm 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 film, i've just filmed an episode of this new primetime show called spring into summer with alan titchmarsh as mm-hmm. his diy expert how cool i would never dream of getting that or doing that um but it's it's i am passionate about it now so if like i say anyone who's thinking of changing career or going into something else or even still doesn't know what it is they want to do just follow those you know so I don't want to say follow your heart because it sounds like that's the one thing you've ever wanted to do. But just do something that you're all right at. That's <laughs> and I it. guarantee it yeah. could become a passion. I think it's about trying different things as well. We get told, or, or certainly people used to get told, that you do one thing, you become very good at that one thing, um, and that's it. You know, regardless if you like that thing or not, 
if you're good at it, then you'll be fine. But I think we're very lucky as a certainly our generation and, uh, you know, in their early 20s up to their 30s and, and into your, your mid 30s, certainly, we have the opportunity now to try different things, you know, and build skills in different areas. And you might find something that you genuinely love. Absolutely. And it's like, it really is the building block of life. So me doing what I do now, um, you know, as a carpenter is very different to, like I say, when I was performing. But I've, I've, the things I've learned as a performer make this job easier. So Yeah, I was going to ask that, actually. Yeah, just the, the idea of, you know, I can chat to people. I can go into somebody's house and have a nice conversation with somebody about random stuff because I like people. I like talking to people. I like having a conversation with them. And then they instantly trust you and they kind of go, okay, I don't mind this guy being in my house because he's fine and we get on. And and then we start talking about the carpentry. And half the time when I go price jobs, I tend to talk myself out of more jobs than I get. But what I'll do (laughs) is I'll go, actually, you've asked me to do this understair storage. I think you're wasting your time here as in financially, it's going to cost you this amount and you probably, you're not going to gain that much storage there because X, Y, and Z. Mm. And then they trust you even more because you're going, well, he's not going to rob me now because he's, he's actually talking about the job. And then they go, actually, while you're here, can you just come and look at these walking wardrobes then? And then I'll end up doing that. So I think my whole point of me saying that is I've learned to talk to people. I've learned to have a conversation and chat and and you know and that gets me through the door and that gets me the job later on down the line and and ultimately they trust me i think you've just proved the point and we talk about this a lot on the podcast about you know um careers nowadays our generation are certainly not going to have 50 year careers um because of the 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 rate of change in in all different industries it will always be evolving but it's a for us it's about building skill sets and exactly what you've described you built a skill set in acting and you've built now a skill set in carpentry and you've combined those and you've shot to the top of, you know, the carpentry and the over the makeover TV world, right? You're now the go-to guy for these TV shows. Yeah. So it just shows you that building those skill sets and investing a bit of time and learning different things, even if you don't think, oh, is it a career? It, it will lead to something eventually. Oh, absolutely. And I think what's, what's interesting as well is I my wife reminds me of this a lot. I nearly didn't do that first makeup mm. show, you know, and, and, and I, I, when I got the phone call about it and I rang my wife, I was, I was doing some fitted wardrobe for somebody and my wife, I rang my wife and said, I've just been offered this, this job, but I don't know if I should take it. And then she listened to me talk for a bit and then she went, why are you doubting it? Do you think you can do it? I went, well, yeah, it's just flat pack furniture and putting up shelves and it's, she went, well, why are you doubting it then? Do you, are, you, are you scared you're going to look silly? I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. And she went, oh, just get over yourself and do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was right. And I think, as well, especially even more so now, you know, people are scared to fail because of social mm. media, because of everything that, you know, it's, it's become quite bubbled and you, you don't want to look a fool. My biggest advice is, like, what's the worst can happen? realistically yeah. my wife said that she what is the worst can happen it doesn't work out and you'll never work with these people again well you're never going to work with them again because you'll, you'll never get to work with them if you never do it so i was like oh 
okay, it's not really going to affect me. I'm not, I'm not packing, packing parachutes, you know, I'm not, <laughs> no one's, you know, no one's going to die. All will happen is the shelf will fall down and then they won't employ me again. And that's fine. I mean, and literally the moment that first episode I did, my contest, my first episode I did, I had to fit a wardrobe and my, and I, I rocked up with an Aldi bag of tools. I get you not, I had a, a, I had a chop <laughs> saw, an Aldi bag of tools, a drill, and I was cutting timber off the edge of a curb, right? And all the other builders, because they, they'd done four or five episodes before me and I joined mm. them. They all had the, all the tools, the vans, everything laid out. And I remember just, you know, going, you know, I just needed to concentrate and get my contestant through. And my contestant won that episode. The exec producer who booked me was like, love your stuff. This is amazing. Um, yeah, you, you know, you're booked now for all of them. And then, then literally two episodes later, he went, yeah, Wayne, we, we need to buy a few more tools. We love what you do, <laughs> but you, you need to buy this kit, you know, and, and I did. And, and then I've been part of that core team since from then on. But I think you just got to put yourself out there. And like I said, what's the worst can happen? You know? mm. In any in any industry, fake it till you make it, bro. You know, yeah. You know, you know. So many people have no idea what they're doing. And we all <laughs> think everybody knows what they're doing, but they don't. <laughs> oh all the time mate all the time you know i just and but the more you do the confidence you get and you know and, and i teach this in diy i teach people like i say how to drill and how to do these things and you know i like I, said, I work on garden makeover shows i work on all these tv shows mm. they all started that that first and even like i i inter, i've got my own podcast uh, and i interview people from the world of makeover shows and i interviewed alan titchmarsh and you know and i've worked with him quite a lot and he came on and i remember saying to him what you know would you remember that first time like on tv and he was like i sh you know you're shooting yourself so i ain't got a clue what i was doing <laughs> I, I used to write for a magazine and then they put a camera in front of my head and you know and, and i watch him now and i work with him now and, and he's so generous and so you know, helps wherever he can and you know, mm. do whatever he can for anybody. And I, I think everyone starts somewhere. You know what I mean? That's, that's a good point. I mean, us personally with this podcast, obviously, we, we look to make new content. And we talked about this a couple of times. When the uh, new social media TikTok came out, we tried to make a couple of videos, but I, I couldn't do it. As soon as I turned the camera on, I became like a babbling sort of mess in front of the camera. And um, have you got any tips for sort of maybe people that are looking going into the TV industry or producing their own content about being a bit more relaxed and how to come across natural? And I guess the acting helped you with that. But you know what? It's interesting because as when I was an actor, I hated being myself. I didn't like the way I talked. I didn't know the way I looked. Whereas when I was an actor, I could use a script and I, you know, and I, I, it, I hid behind the character that I was told to perform. And interestingly now, everything I do is me, you know, and, I, and it's me who has to talk and, and I, I very rarely script anything. I give myself bullet points and just talk down the lens and have a conversation. So I'm, it, it's, it's, it's quite... It's interesting because the bit that I hated the most about being an actor was being myself. And actually what relies on being successful on social media is being yourself mm. and people buy into people. And, and that thing of what now, when I film a, a YouTube clip or I film an Instagram post or I film you know, any of the TV stuff, I just look down the lens and imagine one person that I'm talking to 
generally I'm quite smiley because I think people buy into friendly, happy people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it goes wrong, be honest about it as well. You know, that when it's, it's when it's when people put on their telephone voice and kind of try to be <laughs> they're not, that's when you see through it. And I think that's what makes people successful presenters or successful YouTubers or blog. My, my daughter lists, watches so many TikTok stuff mm-hmm. and all these things. And, you, you know, Miranda sings and all these different people and you watch them and go, they're just being them. That people like real. Um, so I think it's a hard thing to do, though, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. In, in a way, it's, when you turn the camera on, I think your thoughts go through your head, don't they? Oh, my God, people are going to see this. And it's hard to be natural. But I guess the more you do it, the easier it becomes, maybe. Absolutely. And, and again, I, 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 when I do my podcast, you know, I, I talk to one person. So because generally most people, have, you, you know, the person who's listening to this will have it in their ears while they're walking to work or walking the dog or whatever. Mm. And that one person I'm speaking to is, is the one person. So I tend not to, if, and if you're doing any social media, don't go, hi, guys, hi, big group of people, because it's not personal to them. You know, they go, well, I'm one of many. Whereas if you go, you know, how are you today? This person who's listening to this, I hope, you know, it's coming across. I hope you're gaining a lot from this. If you need me, you know, and you kind of, you know, you talk as if it's just one person. So whenever I film, I imagine my target audience. So I was filming this new Alan Titchmarsh show and I'm teaching, you know, the nation how to make a seated arbor. And it's me talking down the lens, talking about what kind of wood to use or what glue or whatever. But I talk, I've got one and there's a single mum who's been on my DIY course um, you know I've taught how to use a drill I talk to her because I because I know what she knows I know what she doesn't know I know the kind of things she wants to learn from mm. so she, she's my target audience she's you know she's got some DIY knowledge but not loads so if I talk to her down the lens then it, then I feel like it, everyone will get something from that from that you know, they'll take that on as them so I think that probably would be my biggest piece of advice if you're doing any social media posts or anything like that and, it, and, it, and again I you know if you write a blog or if you I write a newsletter that goes out every week you know I target it to her so that I'm writing not my brand and everything is aimed at this one person that that feeds that that's a really good point as well because definitely what you're doing and you know becoming this DIY go-to expert for these all these great TV shows you're building a personal brand and how important is that to you and and do you leverage social media websites how are you sort of building that um so if like I say like I said at the beginning if you watch any makeover show and you see an orange t-shirt it's me and and that became when i originally started i started a, a facebook group called the diy doers which is aimed at if you have any diy questions and i we got rid of that whole um you know diy disaster it was all positive and mm. we thought, well what can i what what branding can i use that that in you know is is very positive makes you think of diy so i chose orange because you think b and q right so just a simple thing it's an orange t-shirt but what that does is well because i work across bbc and itv you can't wear branded shirts so i didn't want any branding i thought well it means that in my, originally it started because i want to get a bit of a show reel together you know mm. a, bit, a few clips of all the stuff i've done i thought well if it's all orange it'll all look kind of uniformed as well and then that became the thing. So all my website has orange in it. All my all my social media posts is backgrounded with orange. My grid is very orange. But what it's done, and I've been doing that for about you know eight years, is interestingly now recently the the final of this makeover show was on. 
people I don't even know go, oh, that's the guy in orange, the carpenter in orange. <laughs> or and I, and I, like I was filming this new Alan Titchmarsh show and there's a lady there who was doing a guest spot on uh, another item. And she came over to me because she could see me building this thing. She went, are you on the interior design master? And I went, yeah, sure, I recognize you from your orange. So it's, a, you know, it's little things like that, mm. that kind of that help using social media whatever i do if i post anything or if i if i jump on anybody else's facebook group or anything like that i always offer something i'm never i never just shout about my facebook group or my whatever i'm you know working on at the time mm. i'll answer questions i'll give give value add value and then at the end of it go oh if you want any more information just pop over here or you know like i with this interior design show, people were hungry for it. It was a huge success, this recent makeover show. And I I would post, the day after the show had aired, I'd post loaded behind the scenes footage of the show. So people love a good behind the scenes, you know, with the cameras or, you know, some close-ups of all the details that don't get shown on the show. But the last clip was a picture of of my, my podcast, which might be interviewing somebody connected to that show. So people didn't, even those hosts of those Facebook groups, didn't mind me adding that last slide because they'd got nine other pictures that nobody else would have had, you mm. know, and that, that they're, you know, if they've got 40,000 people on their Facebook group, they were loving it every Wednesday, they would get a load of behind the scenes footage, and they didn't mind you throwing in a, you know, a last minute picture. And I think as long as whatever you do, whatever business, if you're promoting yourself, if you can throw in a load of value, and then the last one is a little bit of self-promotion, then people are happy with that. And I think everything I do has that that stance on it and has that take on it. Great point. Is there two sort of really good tips from yourself about if anybody wants to get into the world of, of sort of TV, how do you even go about sort of starting that, I guess? In, in as as what or there's so many different jobs in there so yeah um, i guess i guess sort of going into these worlds of uh, makeover shows how you know it, do you start as a runner can you can you go in and if you want to end up actually on the show how how do you go about that um so if you want to go in general tv production you would start off as a runner and there's there's two sides to it there's like editorial which means mm-hmm. you do all the um researching and all you know all the all that kind of stuff and then there's production so production is logistics and organizing you know hotels and making sure you know gazebos are set up and all of these things and they're they're they've changed the title now i think they're called researchers and junior researchers um again it is the bottom of the rung but if you there's people who I met eight years ago who went in as a junior researcher who were literally carrying my sheets of MDF for me, setting up my gazebo, getting me coffee, who now ring me and book me. The guy who was getting me coffee was the guy who employed me for the Alan Titchmarsh show. Oh, wow. That's cool. And he, he now has his own production company and he works his way up. So <clears throat> you get, that's how it's done. And it relies yeah. on that fresh meat coming in to learn and like we said, you know, when you were working, you were saying you had three guys coming through and it's that one guy who was the one asking questions, learning about it, who, yeah. you know, and I remember that guy who was, who's now booked me for this Alan Tishmar show. He was like, so the camera guy, can I learn, can you show me how to use this? You know, and, and, and the camera guy was like, I'm, yeah, I'm sick of shooting, put it on your shoulder and I'll show you, help you, <laughs> you can do the end of days, you can do the, you know, and 
everyone knows that everyone needs to learn. So I think approach um, production companies, that's it. So if, for example, a show like Bake Off, you know, it's on, is it on BBC now? I can't remember. Or is, it, uh, is, Bake, it, is it Channel 4 now? Channel 4, yeah, it went from BBC to Channel 4. Yeah. So Channel 4 don't make Bake Off, for example. A production company will make Bake Off for Channel 4. So Channel 4 will say, we're doing Bake Off, we um, put it out to tender, production company will go, we'll make it for X amount, they'll make it, and then they'll give it back to Channel 4 to air. So you need to find, whenever you watch any TV programme, whether it's a drama, a makeover show, Bake Off, at the end, at the end, they'll have um, um, a banner that will show um, what the production company is. Mm. Find, look for that production company online, and then there'll always be like positions available. There'll always be, you know, jobs going on there for trainees. You know, if you want to work with us, you know, um, apply here. So, and that goes for anything, any show, any drama, um, and um, approach the production companies. They're the people that you need to contact. So, I think that's the best way to get into TV. Great tip. Um, and final sort of question for us is, would you still have done that career change now? Um, I think I would. Yeah? I think, yeah, because it's interesting. Like, I, I've got such a respect for theatre and I love watching it. And like, like I said, my wife's an actress and, and, and what she does is amazing. But I think I've this, this is the thing that really floats my boat. And I enjoy the most. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Wayne. It's, it's been uh, really interesting to hear about your career change. You're welcome. It's been an absolute joy. And, and I hope that the listener there, when I'm there in their ears as they're doing their dog walk or <laughs> when they're going to work, has enjoyed it and got something from it. And where can people find you on social media, your website, and anything like that? Yeah. So you can, if you go onto my, I've got a website called thetvcarpenter.com. And on there, it has links to my TV Carpenter podcast um, and also all my social media. I'm on mainly Instagram um, as the TV Carpenter. But like I said, if you go onto the website, thetvcarpenter.com, it has links to everything on there. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Wayne. You're welcome, my friend.